Welcome to the podcast, Super Friends. Five podcast producers from across North America get together to discuss podcasting. Another edition of the podcast, Super Friends. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Media Company, and we have a lighter crew today saying hello to uh, Johnny Podcast in Dallas, in Fort Worth. Howdy. Hi, and in Detroit, John Gay. Johnny would say howdy. I would say what up, doe. What up, doe. <laughs> I would you need your M&M beanie. <laughs> does my uh, does my sure microphone recording in session t-shirt that i bought a podcast movie that is a, that is a sweet shirt i actually i i meant to go get one uh were they over at the sure table were they just giving them away or did you have to buy it i bought it it was like 20 bucks or something honestly i would say it's worth it yeah if i don't ha- i don't have any company shirts so that might be the best way to kind of differentiate yourself because i always get a lot of weird looks when i go into offices with a big roller bag of equipment and they're like, can I help you? But if you have the shirt, it's pretty obvious why you're there. I think so. Yeah. Are we going to talk about the shades, Johnny? You know, I found these as I was cleaning out uh, some stuff over the weekend after post-podcast movement. Found them. I think they're from college. I must have gotten them at a TCU football game because our colors were purple. And I've decided that this is, this is me just testing out a new look while we're live streaming. It's just I'm going to be the guy that wears shades. Maybe it'll drive some more viewers. Shout out to our Canadian audience and Bob McCowan, who was just signed recently to advertise cast who wore shades on his show on Rogers for many, many years. There you go. So there's proof right in the pudding. So we're back from podcast movement. So just to explain, uh, Catherine O'Brien and and, and David uh, Yaz did not attend podcast movement. Um, we were still hoping to have them on today. Both had other things going on because they were actually at work last week, working and, and doing projects and still have things to continue. That leaves us here to dig out and, t- and talk a little bit about. To take podcast. a break from all of us catching up on the work <laughs> we missed while we were podcast movement. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I mean, this is designed, of course, to have a show on the heels of podcast movement, which is the big podcast event in the podcast industry. I think if you go to one, you go to this one, There's there are other podcast events out there, but this is the one that's been going since about 2014, and it mm-hmm. started in Dallas, went back to Dallas this year, and uh, we'll start with Jag. Do you want to start with a takeaway from Podcast Movement 22? Yeah, my big takeaway, and this went to a couple of the sessions I went to, and that was short-form video. And we I lost pressed, Jag. I oh, pressed the wrong button. Sorry. <laughs> wow. You did not want talk to do about that. short form video. That was five seconds and message received. That was that was an Instagram reel right there. <laughs> short term, <laughs> short, short form video. Boom. Done. It's a great um, takeaway. Johnny, over to you. <laughs> also, short term video. Gone. <laughs> All right. So, short term video is something that I've been interested in. I've been dabbling a little bit with it. And I think I was making a real mistake with my podcast in that. It was kind of, I apologize, this is a dirty phrase. I don't think it is, but the spray and pray mode, because that is the idea that, you know what? I've got my podcast. I'm going to take the best 30 second promo clip and dump it out on Instagram reels and on TikTok. Sometimes I would do a micro podcast less than three minutes and put the whole thing on TikTok. What I came to realize is the bar for short term video for promoting a podcast is insanely high because when you think about all these social media companies, be it TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, they have their goal is to keep you on the platform not to leave and go listen to a podcast. So with that in mind, 
you've got to have a really compelling reason to go to a podcast. If you've got a, a piece of your podcast that's just 30 seconds of absolute gold, Jerry, then that's fine. But otherwise, you want to think about different ways to promote your podcast aside from just here's a clip. So one of the things that I mentioned, I did go to one session on Instagram Reels. And the idea is it doesn't have to look like your podcast. You can do something in the Instagram TikTok world of just holding up your phone and, you know, doing a quick 30 second. Hey, guys, had a great podcast. Talked with Matt and Johnny about podcast movement. We covered X, Y and Z. It was really good stuff. I hope you'll go check it out. Think about different ways to really sell it and promote that content, because otherwise just clip and send clip and send or Matt and I from our radio background, take that best 30 seconds of the morning show episode and run it in a promo all the next day. Tune in tomorrow morning. In that situation, you're somebody's already listening to the radio. So in the getting somebody to cross over from video to listening to a podcast is a really big jump to get someone to make. And a better way to promote the podcast, video has its, its use certainly, is uh, promo swaps, guesting on other podcasts, advertising on other podcasts. It's cliche, but you want to fish where the fish are. That was really my big takeaway um, from the convention. Can we play on this topic for a sec, Matt? Please. Oh, absolutely. I was going to continue, but go ahead. Um so, Jack, it really it was really insightful what you said that I don't think a lot of people think about, which is the goal of TikTok and the goal of Instagram Reels and the goal of YouTube Shorts is to keep people there scrolling. Yep. Not to get me to look at one video of your podcast, Jack, and go, wow, Jack is really insightful. He knows a lot about podcasting. I'm going to leave and go look up his podcast and listen to that. What if we just kind of take the... Our goal ultimately is to drive those people to the podcast. It doesn't matter what... TikTok's goal is we can still use the platform to try and drive people to our podcast. But what if we chop it into sort of micro steps? Having one video of your podcast up on your page is great, but having 500 videos of all of the podcasts that you've ever done is even better. Okay. The micro step from getting, we start at they find your video and we end at they're now a recurring listener to your podcast. The steps in between that are I now follow him on TikTok. I'm now binging all of Jag's content. I'm now watching him on other platforms and now I get to his podcast. So maybe it's not so much about getting people to get to the podcast right away, but it's to become a fan of Jag on TikTok first. Brand Watch awareness. all of your content, brand awareness, and then ultimately get to I listen to Jag's podcast every single week. So I totally agree that there's some sort of presence on video is, is a good idea, especially on Instagram stories and reels where I'm very reluctant. To, I didn't even turn my camera on once at podcast movement, big mistake. I probably should have, you know, every single day, just talk to the audience and say what's going on. That way I, we, I had that same thought and you're kicking myself for not doing it as well. Yeah. So why didn't we do it? What's wrong with us? We were, we were too busy all hanging out. <laughs> we were tired and furiously taking notes and trying to learn something. Um, I guess you kind of have to have your content creator hat on at all times when you're not away from when you're even when you're away from the microphone. That's but then you cross the line of am I a podcaster or am I trying to become an influencer online? Why not both? Every time Why I release an episode, I always will pop on the camera and just say, hey, I've got a brand new episode. This is what it's about. And this is why you should, you know, check it out. And when other people say, well, how should I market my show? I'm like, well, you should turn your camera on yep. and, and engage with people. And I think, I know, Johnny, you've said this before, not necessarily in this podcast, but in some of our, you know, group meetings about, you know, the people who want to hire somebody to do their social media or hire somebody to do all their marketing. Well, you can't outsource your personality. Right. 
especially when you're putting your face on the camera. You can't hire somebody else to go on your Instagram page or on your TikTok and promote your podcast because you ultimately are driving people to you. You're the one making the content. Could I could I make I don't want to monopolize this, but if I could make a second point um, and we can come back to this if need be. But and I do want to give Travis Brown a shout out for the Instagram real session that I went to. The other shout out I want to give related to this tangentially is Jay Klaus, who did a uh, who did a session on building your podcast by Twitter and specifically email. It is a lot easier to get an audience from email. In social media email of course doesn't have that same algorithm where they're trying to keep you on the platform on the platform on the platform yeah you can build an email database and thus get your content out to your audience all the time as if it's going directly to their inbox and yeah even if your open rate is 25 percent, which is the industry average that might be better than the chances that facebook is going to show your video to somebody or instagram or tiktok or whoever the platform might be email is really a central thing and you can set it up you can set up email automations that relate to your rss feed i just set one up with a weber at their booth when i was at podcast movement where you hit publish on that podcast and an email goes out to all of your um, all of your subscribers about the podcast how the do caveat, you yeah, did they talk about how how to how to get the email like, how would I, I have a podcast, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm someone in the audience watching, and I hear you and I say, that sounds like a great idea, Jack, but how do I go about actually securing a listener's email? Ask for it. Um, a lot of that, and this goes into another topic, but I'm glad you asked, if you're familiar with the phrase lead magnet, you want to have some reason on your pod, on your website to subscribe to that email. You want right. some sort of white paper, some sort of maybe top five mistakes that people make when starting a podcast, top five ways to improve your podcast or, or you know, best microphones for podcasts in our cases, whatever that might be. Have a reason to get on the email list and don't just spam them with your podcast every week. You want to occasionally send an email with just some insight, some information as well. So getting and once you have somebody's email address, then you can put the link to the podcast in the email every week and have a lot better chance. And it might take weeks, months longer for someone to actually subscribe to your podcast. But to your point a moment ago, Johnny, you got that brand repetition and that brand awareness. Like you said about TikTok and Instagram, you're constantly in their email box. Obviously don't spam them, but get in their email box off and stay top of mind for them. And at some point they're going to say, Oh yeah, this was an interesting episode. Maybe I'll listen to it. And then they click play. Hopefully you can get them to subscribe to your podcast. Would you agree that that's somewhat similar to sort of the decentralization of podcasting? It's like you said, it's so hard to get your message out on these massive platforms on social media that we're, we're taking our message away from that and saying, I'm just going to give it directly to my listeners so they don't have to sift through all the crap to try and find me. I'm trying to find a, a better way of phrasing this. Again, I go back to this thought of micro steps, but it's sort of just it's just a different avenue and i think i think that's so valuable and I, I think a lot more focus should be on that of how do i cater directly to my listeners and the easiest way to get them is like you said is is their email johnny i'll ask you as the as the youngest person of the super friends um is there a, is there any concern about gen z or younger or younger millennials not reading email not using email no because we all use it for work it's, it's it. Slack hasn't taken over email <laughs> completely because it's so internally company focused. I know we, uh, Matt, you can give us the, uh, the white paper on how you use Slack, but I, I still think email is the dominant way that people get, like I get email for the, you know, brands that I like. And I think that it's just such a different medium than social media that it can't really be taken over unless there was some kind of crazy web three version of email.
you know, oh, where you to web three, web three, it's back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the email part is just really putting into words and sending somebody a message the same way we would turn on the camera to do an Instagram reels. It's one-on-one it's personal. There's a piece of value in there. Hopefully, um, you know, coming from radio, we built our email list by putting, you know, coupon codes for concerts be the first to buy the you know buy tickets you know by by using the code that we're putting into this into this email and so there are things that you can put like a little exclusive things that make it worthwhile for people to register for your email every week that that might be in your podcast or not necessarily related to your podcast but you know one of the things that i think is quite apparent is the worst way you could use the email is to say hey i just put out a new podcast episode check it out over here that's not going to work related to that in the Instagram uh, reels session. I went to, they said the absolute worst thing to do on reels is new episode out. Now here's my new episode. Check out my new episode. There has to be a hook. Yeah. Even it's just, even if it's just to entertain them for that 60 seconds. So you stay in their mind when you're, when your reel inevitably shows up in their feed again, they're like, Oh, I know this guy or I know this girl and they follow you or they don't. Um, I, I really think the approach to social media has to be to get them to follow you there. Mm-hmm. And then and hopefully you, at some point it's not, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I'm literally changing my mind as this conversation goes on. <laughs> I'm not sure that the goal is ultimately to get them to your podcast, but it's just to create the brand awareness. And that might be the best use for it. And you mentioned 60 seconds, Johnny, uh, according to this panelist that I was on or that I witnessed, you have three seconds to get them in that feed. Yeah. The real might be 60 seconds. You have three seconds to get somebody's attention in a, in a social feed like that. If you don't get them in three seconds, there's keep scrolling on to the next video. And that goes to the benefit of learning video production. If you guys, if, if anyone listening out there is editing their own podcast, there's so many tools out there that allow you. Ha- it can't just be the straight on camera of you talking into the microphone. Those three seconds, like you said, Jack, are so critical. It's got to be image meme something text something that like gets their eyes to move around a little bit to forget for that tenth of a second not to scroll immediately to the next thing and keep them for even one second longer another thing was you changing the camera angle so maybe the first yeah. sentence is over here and the second sentence you're holding the camera over here just that constant because we're goldfish and we need to be constantly entertained visually yeah it's very possible that somebody will engage with you on video and never listen to your podcast but know exactly what your podcast is about because they're engaging with you on video and i think that's the goal mm-hmm I use, by the way, my hook is resting bitch face. You're so, so good at it. I know. It's just exactly like I put the camera up close and I just seem displeased with whatever's happened. <laughs> and I just say, this podcast is exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> the worst, the word, last thing, the worst is when you see those reels that come up with the say, don't scroll, don't scroll. You have to hear me out for give me 10 seconds. That's an immediate scroll or even, <laughs> or even the triple, the triple dot on the right hand side that says, don't recommend this channel ever or block this user. Instant fail. Yep. All right. Well, that's a, this is the thing. Whenever video comes up in podcasting is I always get overwhelmed because I feel like I've now have about a thousand new things to learn and a thousand new things to do. But I think like you guys said, it doesn't need to be complicated. No, it's, it's so easy. And, 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 Jag, you had a great point. The multi-camera angle is great, but you know, as a as a hobbyist podcaster, like the majority of podcasters are, you're great. You're fine with one camera, even recording on the Riverside with your guests. But it's about those extra things that you're adding on: graphs, photos, things like that that keep the person's eyes engaged. Those are so much easier to add on into post than learning how to do multi-camera angle setups in Final Cut Pro or Premiere or whatever you know video production suite you're using. 
Fair enough. All right, so we'll move on from this and just ask Johnny, what was your big takeaway from podcast movement? I had two big takeaways. So one of the things that I was really looking to do, I think David set this up. David said it privately in one of our, we we kind of had a, a podcast producers, super friends meeting pre-podcast movement. And we were all talking about what our biggest takeaways were. And, and unfortunately, David wasn't able to go to podcast movement. But in, in the meeting where he was considering going, he said that my goal is to just come away with a handful of things. I think a lot of people go into podcast movement thinking they're going to learn the entire industry in a week and meet all these people and get a bunch of new clients and just you know basically convert your entire ideology of podcasting in the span of a week. It's just not possible. Every one of us is doing a very specific thing within this industry. And his goal was really smart. It was, I'm going to come away with a handful of takeaways. And if that, hopefully three takeaways. And I only really came away with two big takeaways from Podcast Movement. One was that co-host is going to be my new favorite hosting platform. I'm like 90% sure on that. Really? And I'm actually I'm actually hoping that we can get the, the, the creator of this product on Podcast Super Friends. She was, she was great to meet uh, at Podcast Movement. But they are just taking such a better approach to analytics. And I would be butchering it because I didn't take any notes. I was just so flabbergasted as she was showing it to me. But essentially, the analytics are next level. And that's really what cor- a lot of us work with corporate clients. That's really our bread and butter is the people that we're producing for. They really care about analytics. They don't care so much about the social media likes. Those are nice to haves. They really want to know how well is our audience doing now. The audience that we do have, how much of the podcast are they consuming? Where are they? What age demographic are they? Gender, things like that. This platform is showing you these analytics, co-hosts, is showing them a lot better and a lot more detailed than the platforms that I've used. And I'm not going to, and I'm talking about the the three or four major ones that we all use. I That was my biggest takeaway. I, I'm, I was blown away. You can read more about it in my newsletter uh, that I put out this morning. The second and how thing do you was, subscribe to your email, Johnny? Uh, you can go to my Twitter at Johnny Podcast. It is in my. It should be on the first couple of tweets. I guess I should have a better direct link to that. The second one is Podcasting 2.0, the Adam Curry panel. And my biggest hope and takeaway from that is that we can decentralize podcasting away from the big Apple and big Spotify. That people will use more podcasting platforms. And the reason that people should migrate away from Spotify and Apple Podcasts, I know it's really easy for them to use. I use Spotify for all my podcasting needs, but the stuff that I learned in this panel was just incredible. Uh, on YouTube, one of the biggest things when we live stream or when you see the really big live streamers are the super chats. People can donate money directly to you versus if you have a Patreon or something like that or uh, on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe. Apple takes a cut of that. Uh, what Adam and his team have built or helped people build onto these you know, sort of lesser known podcasting players is tipping live in real time via cryptocurrency. I think they're working on trying to get, you know, US dollars. That would obviously that would be ideal, but you're listening live on the app and you can just tip them, you know, one one hundred tenth of a Bitcoin or however much three $3 worth of Bitcoin is. You can do that in real time. Um, a transcript read along that's playing like sort of how when you saw in the old Disney movies, the ball bouncing along the lyrics as the as Mickey Mouse was singing and dancing on the boat a live transcript along companion with your listening experience. You can embed your own clips. So these highlight clips that we talk about putting on social media, you can list those in the actual episode. And so if someone sees your full episode and they go, I don't have two hours to listen to this. What are the highlights? Here's all four of them. I can play them right one right after the other without having to leave the app to go somewhere else to find your highlights. The fourth one, commenting and chatting live within the podcast player. 
And as the host, I can go back and be, see all these comments around 48-40 mark, the 48-minute, 40-second mark. Love this. Great comment. Great comment. Great comment. Creating that engagement within the podcast, creating community. People can talk to each other as you're listening to the podcast. Streaming video and audio within the same app. I know Apple has video. Spotify has video for some, but you have to have Anchor. Allowing video for everybody, regardless of what platform you're on. And then there was a ton more. But uh, uh, again, in the newsletter, there's a link to the podcasting index uh, that we're kind of that base of everything that they're talking about. I know I just went on a huge rant, but podcasting 2.0, the decentralization of podcasting, that was my biggest takeaway from from the entire week. Outside of having brisket with you guys, that was probably the most fun part. <laughs> That was that. What was the name of the place you went, Johnny? It was a good recommendation. Terry Blacks. If you are in Dallas, Texas, go to Terry Blacks, but buffer yep. yourself some time because the line was literally around the entire restaurant. So we had a pretty good crew. So uh, shout out to my wife Avery, who says this is a good looking crew here. So she's well, watching. wonderful to meet Avery. Yeah, yeah. Avery's great. Um, and by the way, you know, like podcasting is so infectious. You know, she spent some time there. I think she's looking to start a podcast of her own. I mean, how could you not go to podcast movement and then just not look around and go, I think I can do a podcast. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. So um, some thought will be put into something that will happen in the next few months, and it will likely include some video as well. And that's all I'm going to say about that. The Matt and Avery show? It will not. In fact, she's really, really keen to work with one of the two of you and probably not me. <laughs> she doesn't need that much resting bitch face in her life. We could literally just do this and just replace you with Avery and have her give her thoughts on just kind of anything. And we'll just bounce ideas yeah. off each other. Uh, it was. I think it was. I think I we sort of talked about it, you know, before we go to Dallas or any any new any new city. We look up where to go to eat. And I think it was an Uber driver that gave us a recommendation for uh, for the Terry Black's barbecue. And it was. Delicious. My my shirt still smells of the smoke. You, you say that like it. it's a bad thing. No, <laughs> no, no. It's 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 good. Um, and thank you, by the way, Johnny, for going to the podcasting 2.0. I had a had a power lunch at that time, so um, I'm glad you went to go and, and do that. And thanks for the notes. I know you'll share them with me any any month now. Yep, any month. I'll send them to you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, if by the way, for those who are interested in in you know podcast 2.0, did. Did they mention anything about using the fountain app to get started in, in it? They may have. I was so furiously taking notes that I may have missed it. But essentially, uh, there's a link that we can put in the comment. Like once this goes, it gets published out as a podcast. I'll send you a link to put in the description that people can go look at. And essentially, it's a it's called the podcast index, and it lists all of the players that are current that currently have all of these sort of what they call value for value add-ons to their podcasts and what what they work on some work for ios some are web only some are for android some are all three some of them have all of these features some only have a couple but i think fountain was one of them is fountain sort of like the base layer that they're building it on yeah it's one thing that can be used to just sort of you know actually as you start as you use the app you start to gain some 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 cryptocurrencies some satoshis and whatnot which, oh, interesting. Be, which can be used to to send to you know, could be us if we were set up for it. We're not just yet, but we will be. Yeah. But I know um, the new media show is set up for it and Podland is set up for yeah. it. Yeah. A lot of the podcasts, like news shows and like big, like podcast media shows, they're all on this. They're all is using Cridland it. on it, I think, at Podcast. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And so right now I look at it as okay, so I'll like get a hundred bucks, turn it into some, some Satoshis or whatnot. 
and pass it around. It, I mean, it's great social value just to say, hey, we want to thank uh, the podcast Super Friends for making this donation uh, and and thanking us. And, you know, these are micropayments. I mean, nobody's going to be, you know, sending somebody a dollar, you know, via PayPal. That's Not yet. Uh, that that was, was one of the questions that kept asking. It was like, what about dollar? Because that's the difference is like podcasting. If I can be frank, the demographic of podcast movements seem to be older, at least from my experience. Um, and what comes with age tends to correlate with they don't necessarily understand cryptocurrency. So having to explain that, like that makes that's what makes part of this so difficult for mass adoption is you have to explain cryptocurrency first to people. How do I set up a wallet? What is what the hell is a Satoshi? I only learned like two days ago that a Satoshi is like a micro Bitcoin. Is like a micro fragment of a Bitcoin and uh, having to teach people all of that and then get them onto the third party app. It's going to take some time for this sort of mass adoption to happen. Yeah. And of course, it, I think one of the problems is it has to go across many apps. So you mentioned about commenting. We get this all the time. Where can I see my reviews? When can I respond to my reviews? Well, not every app offers reviews. Right. CastBox does and Apple does. And I don't think Google does. And pod chaser does but that's that's a website and yeah. so it can, it can be very confusing so a lot of this i mean you talk about sort of decentralizing the whole thing but at the same time it's sort of bringing a number of things together as well in the podcast space you want to ask matt your big takeaways from the week you want i'll ask myself I'll, matt what were your big takeaways <laughs> from the week so i'm glad that we we kept it to later in the show for this because this is very boring um so on Tuesday, Sounds Profitable had a day-long session for their sponsors. Uh, I did not attend, but at 3 o'clock, they made it available to everybody to come and see some research from Tom Webster, formerly of Edison Research, who's now uh, working at Sounds Profitable, along with Brian Barletta and a number of other people in the space. And th their, real, their, their study that they released, and I will put in the show notes where you can have a look at that, really talks about the host red ad versus the announcer ad versus the ad libbed host red ad and where it really lands. So they basically use the Jordan Harbinger show, a very popular podcast with a lot of loyal listeners. And from that, they put three different ads in the show and then asked the people af afterwards their recall based on the ads that were read. So remember, this is a host red ad, which is sort of a straight announcer read, but by the host. An ad-libbed one, which will go a little bit longer, but feel a little bit more, you know, cozy. And then the straight announcer read, which is a voiceover person, which they used a female for to sort of really differentiate. And they talked about a very common product, something greens. I just can't remember at this point. Athletic greens. Thank you. See, there's my recall. It ain't that great. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, I, mean, I think the big takeaway was is that both the host reds did very well with the recall. But the announcer red ad was not that far behind. And it's almost like not that far behind to the point where it really doesn't matter if you do have an announcer red ad. And this is the argument for programmatic. Can we take this one ad with one announcer voice and roll it out across thousands of podcasts? Yeah. And what the recall be like? And, and essentially, there was a bit of a green light for you know advertisers to do that. So, I mean, this is really what Sounds Profitable is about. And that's really connecting podcasters to where the money is inevitably and you know there are some ad agencies that they're you know working with and encouraging really to fill the space with with the ability to to have programmatic ads and so sorry for talking over everybody's heads but programmatic ads are those ads that are injected into your podcast 
hopefully seamlessly and not out of nowhere. And hopefully it's not too jarring. And hopefully the sound levels are all the same. But these are some of the problems that you got to work through if you want to have a really good, you know, sounding podcast. And if, you know, you want to have it sort of a nice sound where there's an ad or two and the podcaster can make a few bucks. Yeah, Matt, I was sitting next to you for that panel. And I, I really like my thinking and my bias going into it was the host red ad is going to beat out the announcer red ad every single time and twice on Sunday. And you're right. It's It was essentially the same across the board, which is huge for programmatic advertising and is going to allow a lot more podcasters to potentially advertise if companies want to just drop their ads all over the place and it's not going to kill your show. I think the biggest differentiator that still uh, made a, uh, a, a big splash in my mind was that the ad itself mattered more than who said the ad. It has to fit with your show. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the questions that they asked in this sort of research study that they did was how well did the advertisement fit with the vibe of your show? And they were with athletic greens, Jordan Harbinger. They were like, it fits great. It doesn't take me out of the podcast. So if you are someone that is considering advertising, Matt can go into a lot more detail about the programmatic side in terms of, you can actually select which types of advertisers you want to allow to inject ads onto your show you have to be really conscious about the types of advertisers. Does this fit with your audience? Is this something that's going to take people out of the conversation and potentially make them bounce or leave your podcast because it was just so jarring and so not on theme with your episode? So that I think that is what really matters more than necessarily who's actually speaking the ad. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors. Activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn. Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. 
We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. The Podcast Super Friends. But thinking back to later, I did get a chance to speak to Brian Barletta. And we were talking about um, CPMs, which is really the cost of the ad. It's cost per mil, the cost per thousand listeners for this stuff. I think if you go out and obviously cut your own deal, you'll do very well. You'll always make the most money in podcasting by cutting your own deal with your own uh, clients. Not a problem. But what is really the value of a five or ten dollar programmatic ad? Is it that bad? Well, let's think of it this way. If I got to produce the commercial, I got to write the copy, I got to go back and forth with the client to find out if they like it, then I have to do the production on it, then I have to insert it, then I have to. It's taken me now so much work. The programmatic ad is probably more valuable. I know that sounds crazy, but it makes sense. Right? Who's with me? I'm with you. No one's with me. I'm just thinking as the the production side of it, where if you are doing everything on your own or working directly with the client, you're cutting at the middleman. And then, yeah, it just becomes that time value of money thing, Matt, where you're talking about, is it worth it? Is it, it you know, is it worth the time for the payoff? And that's really the tricky question. I mean, it's kind of rewarding when you're sitting there doing nothing and an ad shows up and you got paid for it. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, I'll give the example again about being on the train in Spain. I don't even, you know, it was my podcast. I, I listened to a 30 second Spanish ad and then my podcast started. I said, I don't know what that was, but I got paid. That's okay. It, Matt, do you know anything about if there's like, because the the biggest problem that I've had with programmatic advertising and a reason that some of my clients have said, some of my clients have said, I don't want dynamic ad insertion for programmatic ads because of the inconsistency and in sound quality and levels. I'm wondering if there is like, is there something on the horizon of some kind of, I keep talking about the decentralization of podcasting, but is there some kind of centralized way that we can make sure that everything is like your ads not going to be accepted unless it's of a certain quality level. So I'm working right now on the Spotify ad network, which is on megaphone. And actually you can actually disqualify a number of categories from appearing on your show. Which categories are, being what, like in terms of production value? Cause that's kind of where I'm coming from. Well, I think the production value is on, on you, Johnny, the producer. Not if it's a programmatic ad that's dropped that's in. Someone sending you, yeah. Right. I mean, if somebody, I, I, I think podcast ads, I think we know where the levels are supposed to be. I think it's sometimes the podcast that's not at the right level. Okay. However, uh, with that said, that doesn't exclude companies. I'll just use a random company and uh, iHeart. That will yeah. just go and inject a radio, you know, one of their radio ads into a podcast. And, you know, they did that about a year ago. There were some jarring experiences, but I think the industry is beginning to figure out what the levels should really be at and, and what the loudness and the luffs are. Yeah, but because think, as a host, you would say, I had an iHeart ad play on my podcast and it sucked and people got mad and were and were t- telling me about it. I don't want iHeart promoting on my podcast anymore. So the market may balance itself out to force these companies to go, all right, look, we can't just record this into our AirPods with the windows down on the freeway. We have to, <laughs> we have to put some, we have to put at least 30 bucks behind this to actually make it quality. Yeah. You, meant, you mentioned iHeart. I want a point that I found really interesting about iHeart and not just the fact that they tried to voice track their coffee stand and it was never open. The, <laughs> um, what I did find interesting about iHeart and one of their, I don't remember his name, so forgive me, but one of the um, panelists I saw on um, on uh, 
on 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 the branded podcast panel was talking about iHeart's model for selling podcast branded podcasts to big companies. They're not selling it off of downloads. They're not selling it off of streams. They're selling media impressions. So essentially what they're doing is they're saying, hey, Procter & Gamble, hey, Clorox, whoever the company is, we're using those as examples. If you do an ad buy, we're going to guarantee you so many impressions for your ads for the podcast, whether that's across their thousand radio stations, mm-hmm. billboards, their outdoor, uh, in-app ads, whatever that is, we're going to guarantee you X number of impressions and then any listens and streams you get to the podcast is a bonus. And we're going to cover the production costs. So iHeart's model, and actually I shared a I shared a lift back to the airport uh, with Seth Ressler of Jacobs Media. And Seth had a really good point when he said this. iHeart's the only company that's big enough in podcasting to do this, where they can sell their radio ads. They can sell all these things across different verticals. And that's their business model is they're selling an ad buy based on impressions and covering all the production costs. And I thought that was really interesting that it's unique to uh, iHeart that they can do it that way. I'm curious for your reactions to that. I'm curious to know what session that was. I'll, I'll pull it up in my notes, which I have up on my laptop here. Okay, excellent. Let me know who that was because I, I think that th- there's a little bit of a race going on with a lot of these companies, whether it's Libsyn and AdvertiseCast and iHeart. Um, slash Spreaker slash Omni that have actually been in the game now for, for quite a while. And they're really looking for inventory. So I, I noticed that, you know, being the head of a network with, you know, reach up to 70 podcasts, I'm I'm kind of popular uh, in a sense for a few minutes. You know, over- everyone knows Matt Cundill. If you go to podcast movement, you can't throw a stick without someone going, Matt, the Canadian. Yeah, I know. I've heard your podcast, Matt. I love it. They just want they just want the inventory. I mean, this is this is why everybody got bought up, and it's it's really been about acquiring the podcast to buy the inventory, and and to get access to it. And now there's more access than than ever before. So, and and to your point, Johnny, about the quality of of the ads, I think you're right. I think there's still an issue, and we're not there. But it's also there's also responsibility on the podcaster to yep. make it so you can't have this jarring abrupt. You know, you just can't put the marker in and all of a sudden there's an ad. You actually should probably segue into a podcast ad in, in some, you know, manner that it's going to be nice for your listener to to listen to and accept. Yeah. Uh, we don't have as much programmatic in Canada. You know, we don't scale wise. We just don't have enough yet. I still get a couple of ads for Scotiabank and a few others. But I was it was kind of like Mardi Gras on the day we were we were leaving Dallas that I went to go download a bunch of my podcasts from the network and some of the ads that went in were really, really good. Uh, really? Yeah. So your tech report, which is a, 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 you know, I think it's partially made in Montreal, you know, had a, you know, which is obviously about computers and geeks. There was an ad for nerds, nerds, candy. Hey, I know we're all nerds. Shake, shake the box, but no. Huh. And I thought they ma- they matched that up and paired it so well, and it was very seamless. And they were talking straight to the audience about this. There was also another ad for, um, you know, podcast out of Toronto, but because I was in Texas, I was invited to a Texas barbecue at a car dealership. <laughs> and I thought that that's exactly what this is supposed to do. This that's is awesome. This is all working, and it's working very well in in parts of America where it's working well. And Canada is is not there. We are we are not there. We've got Canada Post and Scotiabank and maybe a Bank of Montreal. And well, it's like you said, isn't it a population issue more so than a desire issue? Yeah, I think there's also Canadians are a little bit conservative. They're a little tight. 
about trying new things and they go with what's easy yeah. and what's easy is doing streaming. And, and again, we go back to that attribution, um, which I'm going to be very interested in, in hearing about co-host because it sounds like co-host has some numbers that were, you know, to give to podcasters. Yeah. Oh, a couple additional uh, specific points about co-host was uh, they will automatically transcribe your podcast for you. And with what she said is a 95% accuracy, which, you know, everyone pitches 95%. That's kind of the industry standard for AI speech to text uh, code. Uh, and the other one was, uh, oh, sh- oh, it was a website. Uh, if you don't have a website for your podcast, they'll make a very basic one page website for you as well. And then they also embedded in, uh, What's the deal? What's the one uh, platform? Is it Podchaser or uh, that gives you the link where you tap it and it automatically opens a podcast app that's uh, connected to your phone? Uh, Chartable, I believe. Chartable, yeah. So they have a Spotify or Apple, yeah. They've combined with Chartable and Linktree, like a a sort of link like that. So instead of posting, here's the Spotify link, here's the Apple podcast link, or here's the Chartable link. Here's a link from co-host that will open it up and it will open up a link tree that says you can listen to me on Apple, Google, Spotify, whichever is your preference. And you can chat, you can track the analytics of who's opened that link, which link that they tapped and where all those people were and what device they were on when they opened that link and where they where they eventually consumed the the podcast. So a lot of those little stuff that just, you know, the the normal hosting platforms just don't have yet. Just to come back to Matt's question, if you want to include anything about this in the show notes, the session uh, with iHeart was how to sell branded podcasts like a pro. It was moderated from Dave Beezing from Sound That Brands. That's the company that did the very famous Inside Trader Joe's podcast. Um, Tom Webster was on it as well. Andy Kelly was the uh, SVP of custom podcasts for iHeart. He was on the panel as well. Andy Kelly. Okay. Well, uh, Dave Beezing escaped from my eyesight, which is too bad because I was looking for him. So I'm sorry I didn't go to that one. I know I was in another session at that time. So another power lunch, maybe. Yeah. This was not a power lunch. I can guarantee you this time I was in a session. <laughs> when Matt says power lunch, he means power stuffing brisket. <laughs> it was and not a power hour of like a shot of beer every hour. Oh, either. yeah, no. that too. Yeah. <laughs> there was beer involved at that power lunch. It was with Seth Ressler. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a power lunch. I'd say so. Um, did you guys see the uh, podcast makeover? Uh, I look forward to that every year, but I was actually in a different session at that time, so I did miss that one this year. I missed it as well. I thought it's we like did a great job not going to the same sessions. Yeah. So this the podcast yeah. makeover is sort of a quick like air check version of the beginning of a podcast, right? Seth is, usually does that every year. Yeah, and I can tell you it was um, really well done. They're down to 30 seconds. There have been massive cutbacks in the industry. They used to, <laughs> they used to give you like 60 seconds to make an impression, but they're, they're giving you 30, but I really like that they, here's the artwork. So the artwork will go up on the screen and then they'll do 30 second audiogram and that's all you get. Hmm. And if, if anything, it's a bit of a, it feels like an education piece about how important the 30 seconds of your show has to Is be. Is it always the first 30 seconds of the show, Matt? Yes. Okay. And so there's voiceover, there's an intro, there's, the music, all that is taken into consideration because I really do think that that's all you get when people are making a decision about whether or not to, to listen to a new podcast I mean, off the top. 
Yeah, and I, I, I did see uh, Matt shared uh, internally in our group here uh, Rob Walsh's uh, slides from Libsyn. His uh, your par- the your marketing advice for the, your podcast is BS that he does every year, which usually a lot of great insights in there. And then the fact that the most mo- sorry the first thirty seconds of your most recent episode is the most important thing you'll ever do because if somebody finds your show, that's what they're going to hear. And the whole you only get one chance at a first impression thing. If that first thirty seconds of your latest episode is meh, forget it. So were you in that session? No, I wasn't. I was just reading the uh, slides that you sent me earlier this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, again, who can really remember who was assigned to be doing what at what time, right? No, we it's, did divide and conquer pretty well. You're right. Yeah. Listen, that, Rob does a great job with that session every year and, and you know, trying to come up with, you know, really what I mean, listen, I know I know some of the things he says will make people nuts, such as you don't really have a podcast. And you're not really podcasting unless you're an Apple but it's kind of like saying I'm a baseball player and then like just, you know, playing wiffle ball in your backyard. If you're not on Apple, you do need to have your podcast on Apple in order to be playing the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I know technically we can we can you know say he's wrong, but he's he's right, you know, in that sense. Um, hundred the number, by the way, the magic number to beat half the podcasts out there was 161. So it's downloads per episode. If your epi- if your podcast episode gets 161 downloads after 30 days you have beaten half the podcasts out there so and i think the the other big number from that is the percentage of podcasts that are still active and i think last year was around 15 percent. this year it seemed like it dropped closer to 10 if my math is right matt does that sound right yeah that's been on the warpath of now is the best time there's never been less competition in podcasting right now. oh there are so many quitters out there it is excellent you want to <laughs> You want to put get yourself into podcasting. So many people are quitting right now. It's it's like wide open space, but it speaks to consistency and, and just releasing your episodes, you know, on a consistent basis where people can, you know, grab onto them. You will be able to build up to. I think I think one sixty one is a great number to start at. You know, to, it's like when you go play golf and you're having a terrible day. Well, if you if you get below hundred, you've beaten most of the golfers out there today. Yeah. That's. But I'm gonna I'm gonna raise up my 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 war flag that I always do when people talk about download numbers. It's not always about the quantity of your audience; it's about the quality of your audience and the goal Agreed. and the goal of your podcast. If your goal is to have more than 161 downloads, then great. Keep your eye on the analytics. Keep pumping out content to try and drive listeners. But if your goal is to sell your product, your business, yourself, get the guests that you have on to become a client the audience number can kind of be set to the side for now. But again, we're all vain. We all we all have gigantic egos. We all want tons of people listening to our podcast. It's interesting that that number seems continues to grow up, Matt. From because I think from last year it was 120. Like Jack said, now it's 160. Does that correlate to, or does that point to just the consistent growing of the medium, the amount of people that are consuming podcasts? It talks to a number of podcasters that have dropped off. Okay, you know, is the ones that stay drive that number that number up? That makes yeah. sense. I, I don't have this podcast to listen to. I'm going to go listen to this podcast that's actually putting out content. Just to dovetail a little bit from the programmatic, uh, if there's anybody left listening after I talked about programmatic advertising, um, just the, the n- number of ways to monetize your podcast. And that's, it, there's not one way. There are so many ways. And whether it's, you know, the programmatic ads, I went to see Jesse Brown from Canada Land and how he built a podcast network, basically asking people to crowdfund the company. We need to get $10,000 this month in order to do this next step. 
I remember at one point on his show, he was saying, we need to get this amount of money so I can give my employees benefits, creating these goals for people in order to, to, to move up. And so in 2016, when he broke the story of Gian Gameshi and, and um, some awful allegations at the CBC and the story went out, you know, people began to see a, a real value for his podcast. And then as years have gone by, it went from 10,000. He's now getting over $50,000 wow. in, in, you know, every year. And I think as companies in Canada, like Bell and Chorus, you know, cut back or change the way they do the news, there's a lot less trust and there's more trust going into something like Canada land and the journalism that, that they're doing. Um, especially now with uh, the last few weeks and what's gone on with the, you know, the departure of Lisa Laflamme from CTV news. And I know this is a Canadian story again, but <laughs> I was like, what but it, it translates to America. <laughs> it translates here too to the States where you talk yep. about less and less uh, media personalities and less and less people that exist, uh, whether you're on the MSNBC side, the Fox side, the CNN side, whatever that is, you know, podcasters tend to be very well trusted uh, with information. And, and when, when there's a lack of Walter Cronkite's out there at this point. Well, it yeah. points to the crowd back to the crowdfunding thing they use. Would you say crowdfunding or crowdsourcing? Um, you tell me the difference. I feel like they're the same. I've heard both, and it's if they if if there was two different words, they have to mean two different things. But that's beside the point. <laughs> There's also the aspect of community building too, not just the trust part of it too. It's the feeling of being a part of something, and people in. Unfortunately, in the world today, people are lacking community. People are lacking something that they feel really a part of. We're also living are these these individual solitary lives online that, wow, I really like I listen to Matt every single week. I feel like I know him just as well as my neighbor down the street that I talk to all the time. I feel like I know him because he's in my ears all the time. He's asking for my help to be a part of this. And there's thousands of other people that want to help him, too to help keep this thing going, this show, this company, this, whatever you're building. And that's a, you know, that's a great selling point too, is you're building a community. And as much as the bullshit around, sorry, as much as the BS around is, is built around quote unquote communities, like with NFTs and all that crap, that that's a legitimate thing. You can build a legitimate community around your podcast because it's like you said, Jack, there's that source of trust and that people latch onto you for whatever reason it is, they're latching onto you. Mark the episode explicit, Matt. Oh, yeah, totally. I think they all have to be explicit. I always drop the ball and curse on these episodes. I, Jesse, <laughs> Jesse, sorry. Jesse Brown did mention that he didn't think that his podcast was a community, but it was more of sort of a source of journalism. Okay. More than anything. Yeah, yeah. In that, in, in that yes. particular instance, yes. But yes to everything else that you said. Yes, um, and. With that said, there was a session at the very end, and uh, this was done by Anna Deshawn, who was part of the podcast makeover session as well. Uh, crowdfunding, let's get that money. I did not attend this, um, but she did do a um, she did do a, a session on this. So crowdfunding is definitely a thing. But I want to, with this said, I want to talk a little bit about the schedule um, of of podcast movement. I feel that after looking at the whole thing, that they put everything on the first day to make me buy the pro pass, so I have to go and watch everything on video now. I just feel the schedule is built so that I have to like like go get the pro pass to to watch all the stuff that I missed because I, I didn't even I didn't even go Friday. Yeah, and, you 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 dipped out, Johnny, and I yeah. I you know I always say that this is a very mentally exhausting week as a business owner and as a podcaster yes. because on one hand you are trying to be a sponge and soak in as much information as you can. I filled half the little notebook they gave us with notes, like you said, Johnny, furiously scribbling down stuff. But the other piece of it is you're trying to network in the community, you know, 
Like I got to see Matt and see Matt in person for the first time ever and see Johnny in person for the second time ever. So if you're not soaking in information, you're networking and you've got to be quote unquote on for the networking. And I think by Friday, I was pretty spent and I, I went to a few sessions on Friday morning before I ended up going heading over to the airport. But I my notes were definitely more copious uh, Wednesday and Thursday. But I think some of that is just fatigue by the end of the week as there's so much substance there. I know a lot of people are kind of shocked and horrified when I mentioned this. I think I mentioned it to, to Michelle, Michelle Odell, by the way, shout out, who uh, was running with us for, for a good chunk of the week, that, that it was the first time that we'd all met face to face. The first time we'd open in the same room. Johnny and I met for 10 minutes at a fire drill during the Orlando podcast movement. But aside from that, that's it. Yeah, that's it. And we've been working together now for a few years. But that was podcast movement was the first time we've all been together. And what and was, it was great is it wasn't weird. Like we all met no. up and it, it, there was no like no awkward like, oh, hey, we've been chatting online for two years and now we're now we're meeting up for the first time. It's like, no, we we've we've spent so much significant FaceTime together that it was just like it, it's, you know, it was the same as we are now. It was odd for me because last year in Nashville, I was there with Catherine and David. And this year in Texas, I was there with the two of you. So yeah. hopefully <laughs> we get the five of us together at some point. All right. Um. Let's talk about the, the the tweet, shall we? The tweet heard around the world. I, can I say something really quick? Yeah. It blew up on Twitter. We're talking about the podcast movement tweet that referenced Ben Shapiro, which if you're watching this, you probably heard it through you know the grapevine. What was so odd is that Jag showed me the tweet while we were sitting in a, in a session. He goes, this tweet is blowing up. Have you seen this? And nothing had changed on the conference room floor. You, it, The world on social media, yes. everyone's running around with their head cut off and the world is on fire and you're losing everything around you. The conference went on as if the tweet had never gone out. There was no like confrontations or yelling outside. There's nothing. It was it's so bizarre how different the world is online versus actually I had uh, I had a friend who works in a newsroom uh, text me and say, hey, are you at podcast movement? Yeah. Why? What's going on? Are there protests Are people picketing? No, no, not at all. Um, I think there were some folks who were very upset uh, for just to catch anybody up who doesn't know. And, um, you know, uh, what is the company that Ben Shapiro is associated with? Daily Daily Wire. Daily Wire. Daily Wire uh, was purchased a booth. They were there. They were giving out free popcorn, which I guess is ironic when you think about it. And they um, and uh, as a result, Ben Shapiro showed up at one point. Um, He was not a paid attendee, but his company was sponsoring a booth. So take that for what it's worth. But he was there. There were a number of folks on the left who were very upset with Ben Shapiro being there. And then uh, that caused some noise. And that eventually caused the podcast movement folks to tweet an apology, which according to some PR folks I talked to may not have been the best way to handle it. And I'm just hoping it doesn't overshadow what was a, 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 a really good conference because on one hand you, you you're calling yourself inclusive. So folks on the left are saying, how can you be inclusive and have someone like Ben Shapiro there and folks on the right are saying, how can you be inclusive and exclude one of the biggest podcasters <laughs> in the world? So you, it seemed like, unfortunately they managed to piss off both sides. Matt's got the tweet pulled up here. Yeah. So, I mean, you can have a look at it here. Um, it looks like one of the tweets was deleted. I don't know when that had taken place. Um, but this was the apology that was put out by, by podcast movement. And Do you want to read it for the folks listening oh, to the podcast? Oh, I should. You're right. Hi, folks. We owe you an apology before sessions kick off for the day. Yesterday afternoon, Ben Shapiro briefly visited the PM22 Expo area near the Daily Wire booth. Though he was not registered or expected, we uh, take full responsibility 
for the harm done by his presence. And then it goes on. There's no way around it. We agreed to sell the Daily Wire a first-time booth based on the company's large presence in podcasting. The weight of that decision is now painfully clear. Shapiro is a co-founder and drop-in. Um, is a co-founder. A drop-in, however, unlikely should have been considered a possibility. So, and that's... Hold on. You missed a critical line right below that. Those of you who called this unacceptable are right. This goes back to what I just said at the beginning. Everything was blowing up online. Yep. The apology was referenced, I think, came from a tweet. So this all happened online. Someone said they felt unsafe on Twitter. However, nothing happened on the floor of podcast movement. So I, I'm just curious how what harm was done. So it, it's, I mean... We all lean differently politically, which is great that we all have we all have such a great relationship. We can all set our politics to the side. Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's it you can't you can't have a podcasting conference without acknowledging that what the Daily Wire has built has increased the industry. It's grown the industry. It has brought more people into podcasting that likely wouldn't have before. Same with podcasts that are on the left, like Pod Save America it's it's really just it it really bugs me that podcast movement thinks that they could play both sides of the coins by saying sure daily wire will take your money have a booth great but then also say this is completely unacceptable but we're going to keep the money that we took from the daily wire for their booth <laughs> so that, hey. that that really bugged me so my strategy is if you don't really want somebody there and they came to you with money you're sold out that's that's all you if you just don't want them there. You're sold out. It's it's just management. It's your it's your business. You manage it the way you want. I could sell advertising to some of the most awful people in the world. The rate might just be a little bit different than it might be for someone else. That's like you have to manage these things as you go. I'm not sure that they thought this far ahead. I don't I, think they did. Sorry, go ahead. Man. I don't even think they thought about the tweet. I think the tweet is really bizarre. More than I don't, anything. I, I don't think that they thought through having Daily Wire there because if from my perspective, the podcasting industry leans to the left. I'd majority. agree with that. I would say that it majority leans to the left. And if you looked at the people on the floor of the conference, based on stereotypes, you could say that the majority of the people attending probably lean to the left. Well, we already have that information. That was and, a, the podcast creators uh, was something I think that was done by Sounds Profitable. And it already shows that it's like, it's higher on on the left side than it is on but exactly. most most people will identify as being independent exactly so by accepting a daily wire booth it's in, it's interesting that they i wonder if there was any consideration taken into that of hey like everything blows up on twitter everything is always a controversy all the time there's going to be a mass of people here and people people that are politically active tend to you know whine on twitter uh this, they had to have known that this was potentially a possibility. Not that Ben was going to show, but that there's going to be some significant reaction to the fact that Daily Wire was there. You're on a first name basis. Me? Oh, I think Ben's <laughs> great. I, 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 I am. I'll come out. I'm a fan of Ben Shapiro. I think he's what he's done for podcasting is absolutely incredible. Politics aside, what well, he's done for the industry is incredible. There are folks on the left who, and I'm not have not listened to his show, nor would I, based on my political leanings. But there are folks who feel that his show can, traffics in conspiracy theories and racism and misogyny, and that was where the controversy came from. There are folks who truly believe that off, not just on Twitter, but then. But you're right. A lot of the outrage came online. I'm yeah, getting a, I'm getting a text from somebody in a newsroom in Washington D.C. saying, "Hey, what's going on there?" Well, 
I don't know. I guess he came and shook hands and took pictures of some of his fans. I didn't even know he was there. I didn't see him. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have known if the, if there wasn't a tweet. And and that that tweet has I wouldn't have done a tweet like that. No, I mean, it, I, it, it was for some folks I asked in the PR industry would agree agreed that if that was a, a, a poor way to handle it, which is a shame because it's a great conference and, and the guys behind the conference do a great job. Yeah. What do you, what do you think is the law? Are there because it is a tweet and because the news cycle goes every 24 hours by now, everyone's forgotten about it. It's not even mm-hmm. a thing anymore. It's like it never happened. Does this have long term impact for podcast movement? I could see two potential possibilities. One, I could see what they said. They said in the tweet, they said, we're going to be much more careful about vetting the people that we have at podcast movement. What I take away from that is potentially that they're going to completely ax any any anything right of center from being a podcast movement going forward to avoid this happening in the future. I could see that as one distinct possibility. I could also see the right boycotting just purely out of spite, boycotting podcast movement going forward. Or they go get their own conference or they go get their own conference. Uh, Do you guys see the the tweet or the controversy at all having any lasting impact on podcast movement going forward? Yeah, I think that scenario is possible whereby they just start refusing, you know, money from the, people that might make other people uncomfortable. Um, listen, everything's going to make, I mean, if Ben Shapiro had 12 downloads, nobody would care. He's yeah. got 12 million downloads and he, and a fairly successful network that is, by the way, still exists on Apple, still exists on Spotify mm-hmm. and all those other podcasters that are complaining about it also have their podcast sitting beside Ben Shapiro on Apple and Spotify. So I, I'm not sure who's supposed to be the judge and the gatekeeper here a, along the way. Um, I will tell you that one thing that did happen, which I don't mind sharing here, is that Lauren. <laughs> I mean, she, I was she, shocked when I saw the tweet. When I saw this tweet from her, I was like, "Oh, this this is not just this is not getting contained." This is this is. What did Lauren Bobert like say? Um, so she's, she, commented, she commented. So you were fine taking money from the Daily Wire as long as it stayed hush. Interesting. Also, if the mere presence of Ben Shapiro somehow harms you, you need more help than you can find on any self-help podcast. And then I, I just had to respond. I said, this is, this is it. It finally happened. I finally found something on Twitter. I kind of agreed with her with this, <laughs> the tear in the space time continuum that finally brings the left and the right together. There is, there's just, there was going to be you, no other you screwed way. Screwed up podcast movement. Oh, you cured the political divide in America. Yeah. I, I did see a couple tweets uh from people in the podcasting industry that I respect that said I'm so glad I didn't give any money to podcast movement. But I, again, that's on to Johnny's point on social. I don't see in terms of the actual conference or the experience, I don't see it affecting podcast movement in years to come. I think uh the gentleman behind podcast movement would be wise to maybe have a PR team. Yeah. Um to employ to in case something like this invariably comes up again because again i don't want to i don't want to crap on them because they do a great convention every year and it's really grown in the last nine years but the the situation could have been handled better i think luckily for pm it's an it's a it's a full calendar year between that so much is going to happen in the yeah. news between then and now that this will be completely forgotten going into podcast movement next year except for the people who you know took it personally and are like i'm not going to podcast movement after this because of this um and I think this is probably a good lesson learned from them too. They like, they can go, Hey, we're they're either, like I said, they're going to take the route of, we're just going to, we're just going to ax the right completely or conservative podcasting completely. Or they're just going to say, we're just going to have podcasting be inclusive. And we're not going to comment because there was, there was no actual physical violence or anything that happened. 
that caused uh, any legal issues with podcast movement. So if anything, we're just going to not tweet about this stuff going forward. Selfish. I'd like to, I'd like to overcorrect and have the Pod Save America guys on next year. Yeah, just put the Pod Save America booth right next to Daily Wire and have them battle it out fisticuffs. Oh, now that'd be worth getting some popcorn for. <laughs> well, that's I think that's what the popcorn was there for. And by the way, I made numerous stops to take some of their popcorn. And and I just thought it was tasty snack. I didn't even really know what Daily Wire was until I got there. I mean, this is what happens when you're in Canada, right? I it was the first time I got to meet uh, Terry Gross a number of years ago from NPR. Oh, Philadelphia, yeah. Yeah, and I became a fan, right? I'm not exposed to all the same stuff as you might be. I don't get the same news, and it's we have our own we have our own problems up here. <laughs> so as as it were, but you know, w- w- if somebody has a secret to doing you know really really well in podcasting, I I, I want to hear it. Even if even if you're a complete wackadoo, and there's a lot of wackadoos, I'm, maybe I'm, that's the secret. Well, I don't think Ben Shapiro was the worst podcaster in that building, so I think that there's way worse that we just. You don't mean in terms up. of irresponsible content or or quality? Irresponsible content. Okay. I'm sure there's way worse, way way worse, and I don't know what you do when you find it. I mean, we're going to start escorting people from the building if that's the case. I mean, it's you see how this is. See how that tweet has become made everything very problematic. Yeah. And listen, I think it's a well, it's well intentioned. Mm-hmm. Somebody is very welcome to feel uncomfortable. I totally get that they're uncomfortable. Totally understand that. However, yeah. now we've now we've gone and done it. <laughs> yeah, regardless of regardless of how you feel about it, I agree, Matt. It, it was well intentioned. It was just, mm-hmm. yeah. I think we've gotten to a place culturally where the playing the card of this is this person's present is harmful to me when it, no physical harm was actually done to you, I don't think you can really play that card anymore. And I think the reactions on Twitter from both the left and the right show that, that we've moved beyond that era where you can play that and get your way. And everything can be politicized. We even found a way to do it now. Right? Yeah. 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 Now we're the, now we're the, the political super, the podcast politics, super friends. Oh boy. <laughs> Johnny, thank you for being such a great host. Down in down in Texas. Yeah, yes. absolutely. It was an absolute blast seeing you guys. Uh, and fingers crossed, Denver next year. I've never uh, been to Denver. I'm really looking forward to that. I have not been to Denver other than an eight hour stay in the airport. Uh, I w- actually, yes, I I did have a layover there once where I did sample the Rocky Mountain oysters at the airport. <laughs> kind of like a cross between chicken and calamari. If you don't know, well, if you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. All right. Uh, my name is Matt Kundal. I am the owner of the Sound Off Media Company and the Sound Off Podcast Network, and I host the Sound Off Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I am John Gay from Jag in Detroit Podcast, where I can co-host, produce, edit your podcast, and help you in any other way. You can find me online at jagindetroit.com. I'm Johnny Podcasts. I'm an audio and video engineer for podcasters across the nation. And you can follow me on Twitter at Johnny Podcasts. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Podcast Super Friends. For a transcript of the show or to connect with the Super Friends, go to the show notes of this episode or go to soundoff.network. Produced and distributed by the Soundoff Media Company. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. 
Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.